Blessings. Blessings all. As you find your seats, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Do you know that what you wear to a baseball game will affect your entire experience? I was reminded about that again this week. Uh, this week, our very own uh, world's greatest middle school director, Chip Swanson, uh, took his... Uh, Chip's the man. He is. Uh, he has a small group of middle school boys he meets with. We should give him thunderous applause, okay? We should really love that man incredibly well and his wife. Thank you, Chip. Well, he took a small group. Uh, six out of the seven boys were able to go. Each one of the dads were able to go. And it just happened to be uh, over in St. Pete uh, where the Rays were playing the greatest baseball franchise of all time. The world champion, 26-time world champion, New York Yankees. And so, obviously, it's going to be a great time. We're going to go. And I wore, of course, my Yankee jersey. And it gave me a very different view and experience at the game. As I was there and the Yankees were scoring run after run, back-to-back homers, I was loving every minute. And I noticed that there were those around me who weren't wearing Yankees attire that didn't seem to be enjoying the experience nearly as much as I was. Well, not only did it affect the way I viewed the ball game, will you know that what I wore to the ball game affected the way I was treated at the ball game? <laughs> Walking back uh, from getting a hot dog, minding my own business, walk back. Uh, a, a, by a group of fans, and there was a drunken, tattooed image bearer of God <laughs> that started calling me names. I, mean, I didn't know it was first, I just thought he was cussing, and then I realized, no, he's cussing at me, and I stopped and I gazed at this man, and I thought, I could take him. <laughs> I knew I could. As a matter of fact, I thought I could take him and his friends. Uh, and, and, and the truth is, uh, you know, remembering the words of loving uh, my neighbor as myself, I wasn't even thinking that. I'm like, okay, let me think. I could calm down and, okay, beat the snot out of these guys. Um, and then the news. Pastor takes his son in youth ministry to the ball game. Arrested for beating up fans, film at 11. Thought, well, maybe I better uh, swallow my pride. And you know, it, you know, truthfully, I wasn't going to tell you this. It just amazed me how angry it was that someone cussed me out. It was amazing how much that old self bowed up. And, I, and seriously, I, I mean, let it go. I mean, some drunken, tattooed fan that I wanted to give him my own tattoo, you know? <laughs> Amazing, And I said, Lord, you know, wow, well, what, what's inside of me is, is pretty amazing. Well, truly, by wearing a certain type of jersey will affect your experience at a ball game. Uh, not only the way you view it, but the way you're treated. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are to put on a jersey of sorts, the greatest jersey ever. And it's the jersey of God's Son, Jesus Christ. 
that we have the privilege of His children to wear this jersey that bears His name. And because now we could live our lives robed in this jersey of His righteousness, crimson red through His blood that has washed away our sins, that because now we wear His name, His jersey, His identity, because now we are His, it's Christ inside of us that we are to put off, to literally take off our old self, to renew our minds, to remind ourselves of the reality that we ready for this, that we are His in Christ, and that we are forgiven. And are you ready? That we are loved. And as we renew our minds and we remind ourselves of this incredible truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we are now to put on Christ's garment. We are to put on Christ's righteousness. We are to put on this new man that Paul has been telling us about through the Ephesians, that he has taken that which was dead and has made us alive. He has taken that which is separated and He's made us one. And that we now are to put on a new self created in Christ. And that everything we do, the way we live our lives, the way we view ourselves, the way we love ourselves in Christ, the way we view each other, all of life should be shaped by the reality of putting on Christ. That's where we find ourselves this morning. I mean, so this incredible passage of Scripture where Paul is going to call us to take off that which is sinful and old, those of us who are His children, to renew our minds and to put on Christ. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 24 this morning. As we begin this part of our study in Ephesians, when we're here on Sunday mornings, this is going to get more and more and more incredibly practical. We've had some great truths, and now this should all permeate deep inside the DNA here at Orangewood, inside your life and inside my life. This is what God's holy, inerrant, infallible word, which means it'll never lead us astray. We can trust it, says to us today. So get your hearts to listen to God. Now this I say, Paul says, and testify in the Lord. He really wants to add some strength there. He's saying, I'm saying this and I'm I'm actually giving you God's Word, testifying that this is from the Lord. That you, the church at Ephesus and the church here at Orangewood, that you and I must no longer walk as, as the Gentiles do. I mean, interesting, what's wrong with their walk? Well, that's a very common verbiage. Your translation may say, no longer do. This is kind of a way of life, a a walking. Uh, We are called to walk in Christ, walk in newness of life. That we're called no longer to walk as Gentiles do. Why? And the futility of their minds. Here's who we are apart from Christ. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. Do these Gentiles sound like people we know? Maybe even people who reflect our image in a mirror. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Interesting verbiage there. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him, 
as the truth is in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let us pray. Father, you know my fear this morning. It's not that you haven't broken my heart with things to say. It's that I won't say them clearly enough. Passionate enough. Because the truth is, is each one of us, the preacher included, desperately needs to hear this. This is so practical and so true. You're telling us how to live our lives as your children. And as your children, it took an infinite sacrifice of your son for that to become a reality. So this is important stuff. We're talking about the way we reflect you and the way we love you and the way we live for you. This is about your kingdom and your glory and about our well-being. So, so Father, would you do that which only you could do? Would you send the Spirit of your Son into this room with such power that we hear Jesus' words, not mine? That we have our ears opened up to really hear what you have for us? That, that you would shed the light of Christ into our minds that we would be able to understand Your Word. That that our callous, cold, hard hearts for those who don't believe and for those who do believe, that they would be removed and we would have a heart of flesh, a heart of faith so that we can embrace this. But God, if it's only about an intellectual ascent, if it's only about an internal grasping, but it doesn't equate to our feet in the way that we walk, As Paul says, we are to no longer walk in a certain manner. That we are now to walk in Christ. So Father, may we leave here a changed church, a changed people, because we get it by Your grace. We get that we are to put off that dying sinful self to renew our minds. To put on Christ. Only You could do that. Would you do it for your glory and would you do it for our health, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Two headings you want to follow along in the bulletin, I strongly suggest you do. There's an outline for you. The first thing is looking at dead man walking. Dead man walking, a term used for those death row inmates making that infamous walk from their cells to their place of execution. It's a dead man's walk. Well, interestingly, according to Scripture, that dead man's walk really is characteristic of anybody's walk apart from Christ. It's deadness, decay, um, lifeless, futile. One of the things that uh, Orangewood Christian School does every year for their fifth graders, they have a field trip called the Mud Walk. I am a four-time veteran of the Mud Walk. I've had the privilege of going with each one of my children on this trip. It's kind of one that once the year comes around and I have a fifth grader, that's the one I want to make sure I go on. It's an interesting walk. Is really what you're going to do is you're going to go up to Sanford and you're going to find a, uh, a hammock, uh, a environmental zone that, that contains a lot of water and mud, and you are going to learn as you walk through mud. Can you imagine going with fifth graders? 
education isn't the first thing on their mind, all right? It is, man, we're going to get all muddy, and we're going to have the best time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, if you go on the mud walk, one thing you got to make sure you do is you want to you wear something you don't like, because you will never wear it again. You'll be walking through mud sometimes because of the rain or different seasons. It might actually be up to your waist in mud. And one of the first things you notice on the mud walk as you're walking along is, man, what stinks? And, you know, the the educated uh, tour guide is happy to say, it's the mud. It's all dying and decaying vegetation, dying and decaying uh, wildlife. It's, we are walking on dying and decaying stuff. It's making this gushy mud mixed with water, and it really smells awful. And you think, oh, I'm glad I'm on this walk. Isn't this awesome? But we really realize that that is a picture of what Paul tells us about a non-Christian walk. Interestingly, he says if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, really our walk of life, no matter how it looks or how successful or, or whatever, is, is really a dead man's walk. It's like that mud walk. You're walking through death and decay and rot and smell of our sins and their sins and of a world's sins. And Paul says, listen, don't walk that walk. I've cleaned you up. I've called you for an entire new walk in Christ, a Christ-like walk with life and joy. Without that awful dead odor, there's an aroma of life and an aroma of Christ. Let's take just a few minutes and, and let's talk a little bit about that dead man's walk. How does Paul describe to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of what that dead man's walk is like. And he's going to list some things for us. And again, follow along in the bulletin if you'd like. Uh, fill in those in. But the first thing is this. It says those apart from Christ, those who are living their life without a relationship with Jesus Christ, that there is futility of their minds. The word here, futility, is, it's, it's a void. It's, a, it's an emptiness. It's a uselessness. It's a, it's a vanity. It's, it's all vapor. It doesn't matter. I mean, what amazingly strong words that Paul will say about those apart from Christ. It says their minds are empty. Their minds are void. Their, their minds, really, when it comes to life and it comes to relational things, they're useless. Wow. What an incredible picture. And it really shows life apart from God. We were created in His image. We were created to know and to love and to worship and serve Him. And apart from Him, life is futile. It's worthless. It's empty. There's a void. And we can't help but think of that big story that Jack and, and Daniel sang about, the big story of creation. How does creation start? It starts off with a futility, a void, an emptiness. It was hovering over the surface of the deep. Without God, there is an emptiness. There's a void. There's a futility. That's the reality, the futility of their minds. You think of the book of Ecclesiastes, an amazing book in the middle of the Bible written by Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived. And he looked at all of life. He looked at, he looked at life through money and through uh, success and through names and, and becoming something. He, he looked at life at all it had to offer. And here's what he said. 
It's all futile. Vanity. Vanity. All of life is vanity. It's futile. It's worthless. It's void. It's the same word, same Greek word when it was translated, the Septuagint translated Ecclesiastes into the Greek that we have here. And here is a wise man who a long time ago will say, life apart from God is so empty. It is like a vapor. It's completely useless. He comes to the conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes and said, this is life. This is life. Life is knowing God. Life is knowing God and walking in a manner of His commandments. That is life. Ecclesiastes 2.13. And then comes along God's only unique Son. And He says, listen, forget the futility of the minds. I am the way. If you want abundance of life, you want life and life abundance, you want to avoid futility, then I am the way. I am the true vine to God If you come to me in faith and you bow to me as Savior, you will be attached to me and I will be attached to you. And together, we will be attached to God. And together, you will bear much fruit. Unbelievably, this says that a life apart from Jesus is futile and worthless. But a life in Jesus is fruitful in Him. Not only the futility of the minds, he talks about the darkness of their understanding. And again, I couldn't help but think of creation. What's the first thing that God does in creation? He separates light from darkness. And Jesus comes into the world and says, I am the light of the world. I have come to dispel the darkness. The darkness didn't understand it. The darkness didn't comprehend it. Nor did the darkness, praise the Lord, snuff out the light. And Jesus came and says, I've come to shine into dark minds, to shine into dark lights, to show them the way home. They were created for more than this. They were created to have a life that's not just futile, not just dark, not just depraved. And now he says, in me, church, you now are the light of the world. Why does it matter the way we live? Why does it matter the way we talk? Why does it matter the way we walk? Because we are the light of Christ. And we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Gospel. And we are to shine for Him. The darkness of their understanding, apart from Christ, you could have a brilliant mind. You could solve equations. You can do many things. But in God's economy, in God's eyes, if you don't know Him, your mind ultimately is dark. Because any time apart from God is darkness. That's all there is. Not only that, the alienation from the life of God. Interesting, the alienation from the life of God. When man rebelled against God and we sinned, we were separated from Him. We were separated from His presence. Separated from His pleasure. Separated from life from Him. But God loved sinners so much who still would rebel and run and never turn toward Him that God would never give up on us. And Jesus didn't abandon us, although we abandoned Him. And He came and says, I'm going to come as the way, and I'm going to come as the truth, and I'm going to come as the life. And now we have this amazing promises in Scripture. I mean, this, listen to these promises. In 1 John 5.12, it tells us this, that if we have the Son, 
If we have Jesus Christ, what does it mean to have Jesus Christ? Well, it means to embrace Him as Lord and Savior, to take Him at His Word that He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. He is the only way to the Father. If we have the Son, you know what it says about us? It says that we have life. And it's not just life when our heart stops beating that we'll have some ushering into the Father's presence. We have life today. Because today in Christ Jesus, are you ready for this? Oh, behold the manner of love which the Father has demonstrated on us that we should be called, Orangewood, the family of God. And that is who we are in Christ. So we have life. We have fellowship We have communion. But Paul is saying this dead man's walk, this mud walk apart from Christ is futile. It's dark. It's alienation. Are you here this morning? And is that your life? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? You could be a great person and we're awfully glad you are here. But listen, this is what it's all about. Apart from Him, this is exactly who we all are. The ignorance of their being. Proverbs 14.12 says this, there's a way that seems right to us. <laughs> there's a way. I, you know, what, what is that way? What is, what is the American dream? That's the way that seems life to us. We're kind of taught that. But what does it end in? Death. And Jesus says, no, no, there's a way of life. You were created for life. Listen, every single one, you were created for life. You were created not to be alienated from God, but to be close to Him. You were created not to have your life be futile, but to be fruitful. You were created not to be in darkness, but to be in His marvelous light. You were created to be in Christ, in His family, and now He's reminding us no longer to be ignorant. Don't live as the world would have us live. Live as Jesus would have us live. It talks about the hardness of their hearts. So that's what sin does. That's what the callousness and the darkness will do to our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. I mean, a, a natural heart, a sinful heart is deceitful. We don't want to say just follow your heart because it's going to lead you astray. We want to say follow Jesus. Follow God's Word. Why? Because the hardness of our hearts. That's why, that's why the psalmist David will say, created me a clean heart. That's why the prophet Ezekiel will say in 36, in one of my favorite passages, remove my heart of stone. Remove it. Remove that heart of unbelief. Remove it and give me a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that beats after God. And Paul's been telling us, this is what we, God has done in Christ. He's taken those who are dead and He's made them alive. In Christ. He's taken those who are far off and He's made them one. In Christ. And now he says we shouldn't have hardness of hearts like those who do not know Jesus. He talks about their greed of impurity. And again, I, I think of Romans 1, 20-32. It's a great passage we don't have time for to look at today. It's a parallel passage. Those of you who love Jesus, write that down and go look at that. It's amazing. It will show you what happened to us when darkness comes, separation comes, alienation comes. You see, listen to this. Sin didn't lead us there. Sin is the result of, of, of all of this. Yes, we did sin and it started the process. But sin is the fruit of all this alienation, all this darkness, all this futility. What do we realize? Our life is so broken, we want to fill it up with something. And what do they say? They have, a, they have a greed for impurity. Can't we see that in our society? 
There's a greed, a greed, a thirsting, a longing for more and more vileness. More and more, try to drink in what the world has to offer, although you're drinking that water on the mud walk. Why? Because you're broken. And I'm broken. We're broken cisterns. And we're living in ignorance. We have a greed to fill ourselves. But you know, the truth is, we never can. But God doesn't leave us there. He says, no, I've, I've given you the true walk of life. The true walk of life, verses 20 through 24. And the first thing is, is to put off the old self. I'm just going to give you an analogy. Do you know how men decide if they should wear a shirt or not? They do the smell test. It's true. Come on, guys, admit it. You pick it up. I think, I think this is okay. Okay. It's a go. Or if it's, oh, no, no, I, I, I can't do it. And, and not many of us actually, actually shake our heads. But I think the reality is this. If we could smell our decaying, sinful self, we would never put on that old self. It may feel like that that comfortable sweatshirt. It may feel like that comfortable t-shirt. It may feel, that's your old self. You know know how that was? Just kind of the way you used to live, the way you used to think, apart from Christ and what you used to do. But I tell you what, if we gave it the smell test, it would stink to high heaven. It would be dying and decaying. We say, oh my goodness, I will never put that on. You see, what the enemy wants us to do and and what our own sinful nature, we're kind of deadened to the smell, the stank of our own sin. And so we have to be reminded, put off the old self. Actually take it off. It's gone. It's dying and dead. Do not live the way you used to live. Do not think the way you used to think. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do it by this, the renewing of your minds. Romans 12, 2, a a wonderful passage along these lines, um, tells us that we need to be transformed by the... Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. So here's what God says. We're to put off that old, smelly, gross, decaying, old self. That sinful self that Christ died for. That we're going to be putting on Christ. And the way we do this is we renew our minds. It's kind of like this. I want you to get this image. Every one of us probably has a cell phone. Renewing your mind is like charging your cell phone. All right, it's, it's, it's renewing it. It's charging it up so it'll work and work properly. And I want to ask you, how do you charge your cell phone? For many of us, you're so busy that it's a quick hit here, a quick hit there. Give it a little bit of juice in the car with your adapter. Go home and maybe plug it in. But really with that cell phone, if you want it to work properly, let it sit in the cradle. Let it sit there for a while. Turn it off and let it truly be charged. And what God is telling us by renewing our minds, and it begins with our minds, renewing is sitting in the cradle of God's love. But you're so busy, and I'm so busy, that really sitting in the cradle of God's love, and it's amazing we're here this morning. Your mind's probably racing about what else you got to do this morning. I mean, we don't often sit in the cradle. We go in and we have a little bit of charge here, a little bit of charge there, a little bit here, and God's calling us to renew, to get away, to be recharged. And I'm going to give you three ways to think about that, to sit in the cradle of God's love. One is through general revelation. 
What that means is this, God's creation. That's a fancy word for God's creation. As you experience the beauty of even 95 degree, ridiculously humid, hot, and stinky Florida, there's beauty here. Somewhere. It's at the beach. It's in your backyard. It's in a flower. When go to the cradle of God's love, don't miss what God has for you. Renew you. Look around and say, God, you have created an amazing place. It's a cursed place. It's a place that longs for redemption. But sit in God's cradle in, in general revelation. Sit in God's cradle of God's special revelation. That's God's word. It's each one of us should be drinking from the fountain of God's word daily. You should have a time set apart, five minutes, seven minutes, an hour, where you're in the cradle of God's Word and God's presence. You're not too busy for it. Your life will tell you that you are, and, and your daytimer, and maybe your clients and your associates. But listen, you and I were created for Him, not to be futile and dark and alienated, but to be renewed in our minds. To shut everything else off and put ourselves where more important than our cell phones. To turn it off and to be in the cradle of His Word. The cradle of His love. Where it's Jesus and you and, and you can just spend time. in the cradle of His love for me is my chair and my study. Oh my goodness, is it a great place. Because Jesus comes there in a special way. And I tell you what, the feeling I have when I'm there, cradled in His love. Reminded He loves sinners like me. Reminded that I've been set free. He reminds me that His righteousness is enough. He reminds me that the work of Christ is finished on my behalf. He reminds me that I'm a cherished child of the King. He reminds me of His love and the finished work of Christ. And I say, oh, charge me. It's in corporate revelation. I made this up. I feel good about it. Special revelation in general. I, I made up corporate revelation. So be very leery. <laughs> but it means this. We need to experience God together. You see, Paul says that we are a new creature in Christ, this new man. It's not just about this individual, rugged American mindset. It is we are a new family. And we need each other. We really do. We need each other every Sunday. Don't forsake the assembling of the saints for worship. And, and, and it's so hard. I, I met with a great family that I really love that are involved in our school ministry. They're so excited about it. And they want to come. They're like, tell me about church. And, and, uh, and I love them. If you're here, I'm sorry. You'll probably never come again. I love you. I really I already feel like I'm your pastor. Um, but it was just amazing because they wanted me to tell them about church and they haven't visited yet. It's like, can I marry your daughter? I don't know her, but I can I marry her. Well, you know, yeah, she's awesome. I want you to get to know her. And so I said, well, you know, with Discovering Orangewood's coming up, and we, we have, uh, we worship right now. I'd love to have 20 worship services. I want you guys to hear that. I'd love to have worship service all the time. I'd like to do it earlier. I'd like to do it at night. I'd like to do it in the middle of the week. But I just can't be convinced until we grow to the point where we need it. We need to have another one. That we need to come together as family. And I know that culturally we are just out of sync. And this wonderful, kind couple says, you know what? I'm going to be out of town for the next eight weeks. And I'm just, this is where I'm going to be. I'm like, oh. and it's just so hard. We live, we live in a time, in a town where, what does keep the Sabbath holy mean? But we need one another. We need to grow together. We need to be in the cradle together. You know, God has given us some good stuff this summer. I'm, I'm so excited about this, this Prodigal Son series. But I mean, how many folks heard it? 
You know, and, and, and listen, I don't want to be guilt. I really don't. And I know preachers can stand up here and I know you're busy. I am too. But I do believe that God's called us to be family. And I do believe that our priorities need to reflect it in worship. And I do believe we ought to start changing some things to make sure we're here. Um, the true walk of life, that's renewing your mind and putting on the new self. Listen, here's the image I want to leave with as we go to communion. Is Jesus, listen, putting on the new self is putting on Christ's righteousness. And the only way that we can put on Christ, you ready for this? That God sent His Son on the ultimate field trip, the ultimate mud walk. That Jesus would leave the glory of the Father become man and walk through the death, decay, and slime of our lives. And He walked the amazing mud walk to a Roman cross and was crucified and He died to our sinfulness. He died to our sins. So that that would be an acceptable offering to the Father. He took the ultimate mud walk that cost Him His life so that we could live and now wear his jersey and his righteousness. You see, he took our filth of our clothes and our sins and he put them on. And they nailed him to the cross with them on. So now that we can put on Christ, his jersey. I remember uh, we were on vacation with some friends and, and they had a, a boy that they just gave this boy a new swimsuit. It was kind of white in color and it was a nice suit. And, and I remember sitting there and they're telling me, no, don't get that dirty. It's new. Don't get that dirty. It's new. And they, and they seem to be a little bit concerned with the newness of the... I'm, I'm like, he's on vacation. He's a kid. Get that thing filthy. Have a great time. And you see, here's the beauty. Listen, listen. Lean into this. You can't believe this. Because God is saying, put on Christ in such a way not to say, it is new. And you better not soil that jersey of yours. You better not soil that garment of yours. You better, you better just keep that thing clean. And many Christians think that's the way that God views them. You're saved by grace, but you better work your tail off to keep that thing clean. And that's bunk. He says, listen, now walk in a special way because not that it's new and not that you're not going to stain it. Here's why. Because it's royal. It's regal. You are wearing the robes of Christ's righteousness. Lift your head up high. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Don't worry. I have cleaned it and I will continue to clean it and I'll never let you go. It's not living in your life in fear that, oh my goodness, I'm going to soil the garment. We do every minute of the day. But it's living now like I've been set free and I'm loved and my goodness He'll never change his mind about me. And we are wearing regal clothes. Royal clothes. What That changes the way we live. And that's what breaks God's heart. He says, don't, don't walk in a manner where you don't understand whose family you're in. You don't understand the royalty that you have in Christ. Why in the world would you put on your old dead self? Put on Christ. When you get dressed this week, this is what I want you to do. When you get dressed this week, remind yourself, no matter what you choose, you're putting on royal robes. Child of God, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Renew your minds. Sit in the cradle of His love. When you charge His phone, when you charge your phone this week, remind yourself, am I renewing myself in Christ? He's given us a meal that says that we're to put off the old.
And we're to put on Christ tangibly as a reminder. So for each one of us, here's the deal. For those of you who know Jesus right now, God is calling you to put off your old sinful self. And here's how you do it. You just acknowledge it. You repent of it. You turn from it. And you embrace again the regal robes of Christ. And you come to the table and you say that He's not going to take the robe off of me. And I've soiled it, but He's going to forgive me again. And we're going to partake of Christ spiritually and say, let us walk with newness of self in Christ. And for those of you who don't know Christ, don't take a meal that says you haven't put off the old self yet and put on Christ. Even better, put on Christ. That's the offer for you. To come, but come to Him. And say this old life really is futile. This old life apart from Christ really is dark. It really is alienated. It really is ignorant. It really is hopeless. And today, embrace Christ. The elders are going to come forward after I pray and they're going to prepare the table. You take that time to prepare your heart. And let's feed on Christ together. Let us pray. My Father, I thank You for an amazing, lavishing love for each one of us that we get to wear Your Son's jersey because He wore ours. And now You tell us that we're to live our lives as Your children in a certain way that reflects the newness of life in this reality that we wear royal clothes because we're children of the King. And we don't have to do it out of guilt or fear. We do it out of love. So Father, would you remind us of that as we come to your table, the sacrifice it cost, that your Son calls us today to put off the old self and to put on Christ and to renew our minds. But He can only offer that to us because He put on our old self. And it was crucified with Him. Feed us again today. God, for the one who doesn't yet know You, may today be the day that the lights go on to the futility of their life apart from Christ. And instead of partaking of the table, may they partake by Your grace through faith in Your Son, Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.